0: Hi, and welcome to The Sustainable Century, where we explore with experts, with leaders, activists, communities of interest, mothers, fathers, and kids, how to buy, how to work, and how to invest for happier lives and a healthier planet. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. Hey, out there! Uh, glad you could listen in today. Today, we're talking with Lee Perry. She's the program manager of a very special organization called Fleet Farming. It's uh, or, an Orlando-based organization promoting uh, or providing education to people on how to grow their own food. And they provide that information and education for free. And if you check out uh, their their website, you see the coolest tips hipster type people riding around on really neat bikes and stuff. It's really a, a, a great organization. And as a lousy urban farmer, me, a lousy urban farmer, I'm pretty excited to be talking with Lee today. So thank you for joining.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay. So what I'd like to start with real quickly is, can you just give us like the 60 second pitch of what your organization does?
1: Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Fleet Farming is an urban agriculture program of Ideas for Us, which is a global nonprofit. We transform underutilized land like front lawns into micro farms and teach people how to grow food by bike in Audubon Park here in Orlando.
0: Wow, okay, that was less than 60 seconds. I was just writing down my next question. But my question is you use this term micro farm. Do people that you say people are converting their lawns, right? Do they see themselves as farmers
1: um, yes i I do believe that we consider ourselves farmers because there 's a whole technique, not just in the growing of the food but also in selling it and educating people on how to consume the food um, here
0: locally that 's all inclusive. Um, so it's not gardening, it's, it's farming. So it's about a food system, essentially. I mean, you're talking about, you know, potentially converting some part or all of somebody's lawn into food production. And then you have a system for distributing it and selling it. Or, or do they sell it or they just eat it? How does it work?
1: Yes. So um, I think your question is in reference to the homeowners and the farmers. So homeowners donate their front lawns with some startup funding so that we can put in the micro farms. And then our farmers are doing these free education events, biking from farmlet to farmlet, that's what we call them. <laughs> and then taking the excess produce to a commissary kitchen, washing it, and then going to farmers markets in the community. So it is a, a full system.
0: Uh, what's a, car- a commissary kitchen? I don't, I don't, know, I don't know that term.
1: <laughs> well here, in order to have a business license and a, and a license to grow food, you have to process the food to sell it in a in a certified kitchen, meaning mm-hmm. that the standards of the kitchen are clean and, and up to the uh, okay. Okay. standards.
0: Even when you're selling at a at a local farmer's market, you have to do that? What do the farmers do? I mean, do they do that?
1: Well it depends on what you're growing. Like if mm-hmm. you have just microgreens that you're just basically giving a tray or just cutting them and, and serving them, that's one thing. But we have pretty much ready to eat salads that we are washing um in a certified kitchen. Oh,
0: okay, okay. So, you know, I, I think about my mom, right? I think about my mom and her beautiful lawn that she loved and made me, you know, tend for many years, uh, begrudgingly, despite the fact I should have done it happily. Um do you get like lots of middle age, older uh people saying, Hey, I, I just don't want this lawn stuff anymore. Let's let's do a garden right in the front yard.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's actually caused a lot of challenges because a lot of people started to consider us more as a lawn service rather than this all-inclusive education and community asset program. Um, So we really try to keep all different ages engaged and let people understand that anywhere you see a lawn, it's a missed opportunity to be growing food and that you need to have a relationship with nature and a relationship Mm, with the process.
0: Very nice. Listen, I was reading a little bit. uh, On this particular uh, episode, I was thinking, no, I'm just going to go with Leah. We're just going to let it run. But I couldn't resist. And I looked up a few things. And I read this really interesting article called The American Obsession Obsession with Lawns. It was from Anthropology in Practice. And it struck me, wow. I mean, getting people to change over from a front lawn or even a back lawn to growing food is is a kind of a cultural challenge more than anything else and I, I, what do you, what have you guys learned from that trying to get people to convert or do people just come and say hey choose me or how does that work
1: well it didn't used to be that way i mean most of my grandmothers generation all had gardens and right. that was kind of the way that they survived but nowadays i think just because of our society and how busy everyone is and you can't really work off of a single um parent's income you have to you know have multiple revenue streams coming into the house to survive meaning everybody's busy so convenience is key and i think that's why people just have manicured lawns because in their minds that's easier but um when you manicure a lawn you're not getting anything back you know grass doesn't feed anybody Um, And you're mowing it and spending time on it, fertilizing it, and you're just really devastating the planet.
0: Absolutely, it seems to me that what you're talking about is there are some ecosystem services that can be provided by converting your your whatever patch of ground you got into something productive. Do you guys do anything in the area of ecosystem guardian, like you know involving you know natural plants? Do you attract? Bees and insects and stuff. I'm really pushing the limit of my knowledge.
1: <laughs> well, we definitely try to include edible flowers, all different types of florida friendly gardens in in the package of our edible landscaping service, um, and of course also our farmlet education programming. But we ideas for us, the mother nonprofit here in Orlando, Um, we would like to also start a specific pollinator garden installation service because we have a lot of inquiries of people saying, I don't even want to grow food. We just want to get rid of the grass. So the demand is really going up very quickly.
0: Yeah. You said a pollinator something, something. I didn't catch that. Uh, Explain it.
1: Yeah. So um, basically not everybody is interested in edible landscaping. So we are hoping to launch... Um, a Florida-friendly gardening service where we would basically transform these lawns, not into farmlets, but into pollinator-friendly gardens. So that could be native plants, it could be native trees, it could be flowering perennial or annual plants that um, flower during different parts of the year so that bees will have nectar throughout every season and um, Mm. grass doesn't do that.
0: Well definitely not. It sounds a little bit like that uh, zero, how do you say xeriscaping zero, zero that they use out out in the west where there's no water except for the Florida uh, ecology. Is that correct?
1: Kind of. So when I think of xeriscaping there's a lot of different techniques. Um, so a lot of people like to do cacti and things that might not flower as frequently as what we're trying to target. Really this service that we're hoping to launch soon Um, would basically be a way to have consistent flowering plants for increasing urban biodiversity here in the city. Mm. Um, Whereas xeriscaping is more so replacing your lawn with um, succulents and with plants that are very, very drought tolerant, but might not necessarily be the best thing for pollinators
0: ah okay well it sounds really great listen we're going to take a little break right now we're with lee perry she's the program manager of fleet farming a very special organization out of uh orlando florida and we'll be right back and Hey, that was Bruce Coburn. A taste of going to the country. Longtime social and environmental activist. Check him out on True North Records. Hey, welcome back. Uh, uh, again, our very special guest today is Lee Perry. She's the program manager of Fleet Farming out of Orlando, Florida. Uh, you can check him out at fleetfarming.org or at Fleet Farming on Twitter. And you can find him on Facebook as well. Um, and we've been talking about... Uh, you know, mini farms, farmlets, and and uh, pollinating farms, and we've talking all sorts of great stuff for local food production. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, a question uh, about sort of the outcomes, uh, sustainability outcomes. I know that's a fancy term, but the sustainability outcomes—environmental, uh, social, and ecological. But before we do that, I wanted to say I I, I was. I'm a bit obsessed with lawns, but in the negative sense. Right. And I was reading on your website that um, lawns use about 30,000 tons of pesticides a year. And I go, what what does that mean? And you know what I found out? You know what that means? That means 2,220 average uh, American swimming pools end to end. That would Mm. take three hours to walk by all full of pesticides I'm just wondering if people would like to do that <laughs> is there is there a real uh, is there a real uh, engagement on that Do people understand how bad this is for the environment or do they just want to do something cool like farm their front yard
1: there's a really heightened sense of awareness that's taking place here in Central Florida right now, and I'm really proud to be a part of it because people are starting to see these statistics and learn very very quickly about how they're impacting um the environment around them and this consciousness is spreading very quickly so yes people are starting to get more and more aware um i think fleet farming is a billboard of that it's not the only solution there's going to be a huge movement that will need many solutions but we're hoping to be a representation of a shift in mentality here
0: well that's fantastic uh are- Are most of the people who are interested in doing this younger people, or does it cut across age groups?
1: Um, So something that I didn't mention um, too much is that we have an edible landscaping service on top of our farming. So with the farming, I would say the volunteers are primarily in their 20s and 30s, whereas those clients who are actually purchasing gardens because we can't farm you know, every lawn, there is still a radius in which we can. So we have an edible landscaping service that's outside of our biking range to build gardens for people who want to learn how. And that demographic is usually women between 50 and 60 years old. Um, So it's been really great to have uh, different ways to to take care of the mission of growing food and teaching
0: people how. It's, it's nice to know that if my mother was still alive, bless her soul, she would be, she'd probably be very interested in your services. Um, you know, the reason why I asked the age thing is because the average age of a farmer in the United States, a com- commercial farmer, is 58. Yeah. Now, I'm 50, I'm 55, and I know that if I spend more than two hours out in the garden, my knees are just aching. And so, you know, maybe it is a young person's game to do this for us, but... Um, Anyways, listen, tell me a little bit about the, I want you to tell me a little bit about the social and, e- and uh, economic benefits to what you're doing. But before, I just can't not ask this question. How the heck did you end up doing this work?
1: Oh, boy. Um, well, in college, I felt like I didn't understand why I didn't fit in with a lot of people, um, <laughs> A lot of people were in my age. were going to um, festivals and you know trying experimental drugs and having fun and doing all these things that I wasn't interested in. Um, I really felt a connection to the environment, and I started to look for organizations that were um, doing great things in environmental awareness and advocacy here in my community. And that's how I found ideas for us. Um, they brought up those statistics that you just said that the average age of a farmer is 58 years old and that on these 40 million acres of lawns so many pesticides and fertilizers are are, you know toxic and polluting our ecosystems so that's when fleet farming was born with the community coming together and i was fortunate enough to be a part of that Um, but at the time it was just volunteers so i you know, cut back on school, cut back on work, and just poured myself into
0: it to make it an enterprise. <laughs> well, you know what? It, you sound a lot like what – I hate to say this, but when I came I'm out to college, you know, I felt a lot of the similar things. Uh, I think you guys were probably better educated than I was. though. And I started the social investment organization in Canada to promote socially and environmentally responsible investments. So I understand uh, what an incredible challenge you've taken on it and really special challenge. I wanted to, I wanted to mention, though, I, I, get, I like statistics. So I was looking at your website and you have 40 million acres, right? Is that what it is, 40 million acres? In that, America. Yeah, that is 10% of all cropland the size of 10% of all cropland states and 5% of all agricultural related land. I looked that up. I, the order of magnitude. We're not. I, I didn't, I, I mean, I rounded up. But that's an incredible amount of, of, of potential, you know. Mm. But listen, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the, you know, sort of social and economic uh, advantages or outcomes of what you're doing.
1: Um, well, I would like to start off by saying that, you know, we're trying to destigmatize that feeling that working outdoors and working with your hands in the soil is a negative occupation. Um, the average age of a farmer is 58 years old, and there's not enough young people getting into the industry because, once again, that that occupation is almost looked at as not not endearing or, or I don't know, Um, (laughs) but we're trying to destigmatize that and and show people that working outside and building a relationship with nature and doing something really great and growing healthy food should be looked at as an esteemed occupation, like being a doctor. Um, And so we bring those young people to the experience. And with that slowly they're learning how to change their behavior. And eventually we hire from our intern pool, um, and pay livable wages to that next generation of farmers. So that's the economic benefit is is, is keeping money here in the local community
0: and hiring. Are some of the interns? Uh, are some of the interns basically? They don't have access. To, they, do they have access to their own land, or is it basically one way for them to use a, sh- land sharing, so to speak?
1: Um, a lot of our interns live in dorms and also apartments. Right. Um, uh, they do enjoy having the opportunity to come out and be in the fresh air. And, and since they're getting school credit, they can, you know, not be in a classroom. They can be learning with their hands out in the field and they really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have free community events that we call swarm rides. <laughs> where we actually invite just anybody to come out with their bike for free and ride from farmlet to farmlet and participate in this process of growing food.
0: Yeah, and you have idea hives as well, I saw.
1: Yes, uh, the Hives are our think tank meeting where these solutions are born. So once a month, Ideas for Us is our mother nonprofit that hosts these meetings, and we'd invite all different people from different backgrounds together and talk about an environmental challenge. And in 2014, that's how Fleet Farming was born.
0: Okay, okay. Well, that's fantastic. Um, How do the economics of all this work for you guys? And what are the economic outputs or outcomes from a sustainability perspective?
1: Um, So, as I was saying, um, we're paying the next generation of farmers a livable wage based on the produce and the sales of our edible landscaping company. Um, We're basically able to bring in uh, about, I'd say, about a 10% increase annually on our sales, which means that we're growing exponentially every year and able to put that money right back into the community as a a community asset.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so do the, you've been around for, uh, when did you start up again? 2014. 2014. And have people, have some of the farmers been around that long or do they come in and leave or how does that work?
1: Yes, most of our farmers have been around at least a year, two years. Uh, Myself, Caroline, and um, Clay, we've, we've been around since the beginning. Um, but yeah, we sometimes have a lot of farmers that will start with us and then get a job in like hydroponics. Mm. A lot of our interns, you know, they, they really get a lot of introductory skills and then move on to maybe a new industry so that they can learn how to grow food in a different way as well. So we're really fortunate to have the ability to do that and provide right. that.
0: Right. And, and one of the things that you said is key, and I write about a lot, a lot, a lot, uh, much to my dismay, is, is changing habits. And it takes a lot of work to change people's habits. So I guess these interns are going forth with, with great habits once they've, they've uh, been introduced to what you guys are doing.
1: Definitely. Every single intern, I feel, starts to second guess their own behavior and their own footprint here on, on Earth. And they start to, once they learn our mission, start to look into other ways that they can shift what they're doing to be more sustainable as a human. Um, so it kind of, you know, births something in their mind that's a chain reaction.
0: <laughs> that's That is really fantastic. Listen, I want to ask you one more question. Uh, dream as big as you want what's your dream what's your vision for fleet farming and for you know this kind of activity in general what's 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 the big vision
1: okay dream big so I'd like to convert over a hundred farms and employ upwards of 10 to 20 people here in Orlando and eventually develop a licensing model where we can scale this to other cities and have the capacity to have a team make sure that we can provide that, that service and quality control internationally. Um, I would love to help, you know, after a natural disaster, um, you know, a small country or maybe an island get their agriculture back together um, and send entire fleets, no pun intended, of farmers <laughs> to go and help. Um, that would be my dream. I think also partnering with all of these. Um, construction companies when they're building new neighborhoods and new apartments and actually working with them to have a program like this directly associated with their um, their development as like a consultant so that they're not putting in sod, they're putting in farmlets instead.
0: And, and you can help change everybody's uh, habits for a more sustainable world. I can't tell you how happy I am to have talked with you today and how exciting your organization looked. And I hope we can stay in touch.
1: Oh, thank you. Same goes to you as well.
0: Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Our guest today has been Lee Perry. She's program manager at Fleet Farming based out of Orlando, Florida. It's a great organization. Please check them out. Please check out anything that has to do with local food production. You can find them at FleetFarming.org org and uh on twitter at fleet farming and that's with two e's by the way and if you want you can also check out uh sustainablecentury.net, our pods vids blogs and all that stuff we just did a a little video on um decision making at home for more sustainable food consumption so check that one out that's with my oldest boy mateos i'm mark de shields host of the sustainable century thanks for listening I hope you liked it. If you did, I encourage you to check out the Sustainable Century blog at thesustainablecentury.net. Remember to click like in all the right places. Better yet, pass the blog or pass the pod along. And remember, it's up to you. It's up to us to make this a happier and healthier world.